0: That, that we get to live in this uh, in this Easter season. So I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you're able to take part in our worship. Uh, I really look forward to what God is going to do here this morning. As we begin, and I hope you're getting logged into the chat here on, on your right, my left, on the side of the screen here, a uh, way you can interact and kind of build community. There's a connection card there. Fill that out, please, and submit that. And then uh, log into the chat that'd be a way that you can uh, take part in the conversation here just as a way to, to kind of get things started i would ask you that uh if you would do, do me a favor and share your favorite movie series uh favorite series of movies not uh, just a single or not a tv show but your favorite movie that's you know more than one so i have a favorite mine is the star wars saga um i prefer most of the older films actually uh the first the second one are about two favorite movies i think um though the uh, new hope the first one which was number four which is kind of strange the way they do it and then um empire strikes back which was the second one which is number five um those are two fantastic movies they both ended with real cliffhangers ways it? You know, you just you had to come back. You had to you had to wait two or three years, but you had to you were going to come back and see the next movie. The, the newer films, they learned something different, a new way to kind of keep us connected, keep us hooked, as it were. At the end of each film, after the credits had run, after the end of the movie was over, they would they would show these little previews of the next film, or not not of the next film, but they would show like a bridge from from the, one, the movie you just saw until the one that will be coming out in two years. And so it was a way to kind of tease you, uh, to invite you back, to, to show you what was happening in the meantime. So uh, it really worked, uh, really worked well. People would hang around and watch you know, 15 minutes of, of credits rolling by in order to see that one little clip of, uh, to see what, what bridged them over to the next one. If you've seen that in a film... Uh, then you know that's exactly what I believe is happening here in the Gospel of John. Because the, the chapter 21 is very much like uh, an add-on, very much like that. Um, chapter 20, we talked about last week, you know, that was the resurrection, where Mary went to the tomb and it was empty, right? And where did Jesus go? Where did they take him? Uh, she found out that they took him. They took him nowhere. Why did I say that? We, we talked about chapter 20 last week when we talked about it on Easter Sunday. The resurrection happened in chapter 20, right? Where Jesus, he, he had died in chapter 19, he rose in chapter 20, and then he appeared. They they didn't know where he was. They went to the tomb to find him. He wasn't there, right? Then he appeared and he showed himself to the disciples and to Mary and all the others. And, and chapter 20, it ends with this this powerful statement this, in verse 30 and 31. It says, Verses thirty and thirty-one, and they say this: Jesus performed many other signs in his in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. See, it, it seems like in the in chapter in the at the end of chapter 20 that that john the gospel writer is landing the plane like everything's coming in everything's fitting together it's jesus is alive we all know it roll credits right it's like this is the the end the crescendo the the symbols are clashing it's it is the climax of the film but that's not what the way it ends john the gospel writer you see He wanted to show us some more because he had left a main character in uh, his telling of the Jesus story. He had left a main character out, or on the outside, Peter. The last we saw of Peter, he was he was isolated. He was he had denied Jesus. Right, bold and confident Peter, the one who had um, who had stood up at the Last Supper and said, Jesus, it doesn't matter what all these other disciples do, I'll never leave you right peter the one who had taken the sword to the garden and when the soldiers appeared to arrest jesus he cut off the soldier's ear the defender of jesus the bold and confident peter the one the only one who got out of the boat to walk on water with jesus bold and confident there he'd found himself at that fire in the courtyard of the of the high priest denying jesus he, he well, we the last time we saw him Bold and confident Peter had become a failure. Had become a failure. You ever messed up like that? I mean, a real blunder. Maybe you didn't deny Jesus. Maybe you did. I don't know. Um, But but we've all made mistakes, right? Some of us have made really big ones. You've done things that you weren't supposed to do, and in the middle of doing them, you thought, I shouldn't be doing this, but you did it anyway, right? A real mistake. Maybe you find it in our current situation where we all find ourselves today you're you're unprepared you know you you weren't ready for this your debts were out of control and your job wasn't as reliable as you thought it was and now oh my goodness i knew i should have done something but I, i didn't have time or i just i just didn't do what i knew what i should and or maybe your business isn't able to adapt the way you needed it to you need it to now mistake a failure, something we overlooked, something we should have, could have, if only we would have. I remember one time that I failed, much like Peter. I was uh, a student pastor in a church, and while I was there, I was coaching high school football. I love the sport of football, and um, I wanted to get involved as a coach in order to show my faith, right, to the kids, to the other coaches, that you can do this. Uh, you can coach with a, with a, a disciple's mindset, Right? So I was, that's what I was there for. Uh, I, I loved the sport. I, when I was in school, I had two coaches particularly that, that really come to mind. One uh, was a great encourager. I would have done anything for him. The other one, he didn't have a lot in his toolbox for, for me when it came to motivation. My experience of his motivating skills were around humiliation, uh, embarrassment, right um uh, just ridicule criticism shame you know that's that's all he had to motivate me he didn't he didn't use anything else and we didn't get along very well and so so I became a coach because I didn't want kids to have a coach like that like I had had I wanted I wanted them to know that there was somebody who was positive who was encouraging to them one day I had a player that I couldn't I just couldn't get through to I couldn't get him to do what he needed to do and and i broke and i messed up i I went into that toolbox and i pulled out one of those bad tools right it didn't work any better with him than it had with me And, and only i realized as i did it that i had crossed the line i had crossed the line and i felt it see i got into coaching to to encourage not to break spirits and I'd failed that day as a coach, and I'd failed that day as a disciple, and frankly, I wanted to quit. I wanted to stop right then and there. I mean, I, I was thinking, much like Peter, I believe, how can God use me after I've messed up like this? As a coach, it was probably one of the lowest points of my life. Have you ever failed your faith like that? or you didn't stand up for Jesus, maybe? or you didn't say that, that you knew you should, and then it went south? I'm sure many of us have. Maybe you failed in some other significant way. How did you feel when that happened? How did you feel? If you're bold enough, if you're brave enough, I'd invite you to share that. Just one word here on the screen as you you can. You don't have to give circumstances, but the one word, the, the feeling that you felt when you messed up, when you failed. Well, that wasn't the end of the story for Peter, and that wasn't the end of the story for me, and it wasn't for you. He didn't end his life as a washout, as a failure. Not at all. Chapter 21 tells us what happened. It's that bridge from from the big mistake into what Jesus had for him. That's where we're going to see in chapter 21. That's actually what we heard when Lydia started reading it. You know, Jesus was alive, but where did these disciples find themselves? They're back in Galilee. They're back in Galilee. They went home. They're, They're out fishing. Peter had gotten a group and they've gone out fishing. They'd been out all night. they caught, they caught nothing. And as they're coming into shore, there's a man on the shoreline, and he's at a fire. And, and, you know, they don't know it's Jesus. We know it's Jesus as we're reading it. But the man on the shore calls out to them. He says, hey, how did y'all do? <laughs> how did you do? That's, for anyone who's gone out and fished all night and not caught anything, that's a pretty insulting thing. I mean, the, the expression on their faces is they're standing up holding the sail or, as they're rowing in. I mean, that should say enough about how they did, right? But no, Jesus asked them. But Jesus knew how they did. So why was he asking a question where the answer was obvious? I believe Jesus Jesus knew that there's something about us having to hear ourselves say, you know, I'm just not the fisherman I thought it was, or I'm just not the disciple that I thought it was, or I'm not the coach that I thought it was. You know cuz if we don't say it if we don't if we don't put a voice to it if we don't acknowledge what's really going on we'll make up excuses. Well, you know Andrew he got bad bait, you know? Or or Nathaniel. You know, he brought that bunch of bananas on the bo- on board the boat. Who's going to catch fish with bananas? You know, something silly like that or or you blame the one that you hurt. Well, he deserved it. He had it coming. She should have known better. See, Jesus wants us to see our situation exactly for what it is. Not not to live in denial because it's only when we deal in reality and what really is that he can begin to heal us. That we aren't the fishermen, that we aren't the disciples. That's when Jesus can begin to restore us. And that's what God wants to do. When we get honest, Jesus begins our restoration. When we get real, we were shut out, you know? We went out fishing and we just, we just don't have it anymore. That Jesus, went, that, that moment, that when we, we didn't catch anything. That Jesus went on to tell them, the fish are right there. So they cast their nets on the other side of the boat as Jesus told them. And, and in that moment, Peter realized who it was. And he exclaimed, it's the Lord. And he dove overboard, leaving the rest of the folks to, to get his, row his boat to shore and pull in the catch. There's a lot to question about Peter at this stage, but one thing we can't question is how much he loved Jesus. I mean he loved Jesus, he wanted to be there. He dove in to swim ashore, and there, when he got there, he found Jesus cooking some fish on a charcoal fire. We might be tempted to ask, well where did Jesus get the fish did he did he just create the fish? maybe I don't know. One thing we do know, we don't know where the fish came from, but one thing we do know is is that this is the second time in the Gospel of John that we've seen a campfire with, with the disciples. The last time we saw it, Peter was there in the courtyard when he denied Jesus. And here he is again, no roosters crowing, but this time we see Peter with Jesus. The first time we saw Peter with Jesus was another fishing trip. It was in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. It records it. That jesus that's when Jesus called Peter to come and follow him. Jesus sees him fishing and tells him, Hey, catch your nets on the other side of the boat and you'll catch fish. And sure enough, he catches a record catch, just like he did just a few moments ago. And Peter's response back then, this was important, because his response back then is different than it was just now. Back then, Peter's response was, Get away from me, Lord for I'm a sinful man. See, back then when he got close to Jesus, all he wanted to do was get away he, because he saw his inadequacy as a fisherman. He saw his sinfulness as a man. And that's what a faithless response to mistakes is. When, I'm, when, when we get near to Jesus and we don't have faith, then we're left to, oh, okay, I've got to get away from Him. I, I can't get near Him because it reveals... When we see him, we see our inadequacy. So when we don't understand grace, because before you know Jesus love, you're you're afraid to get near him. You don't want to come to church. You don't want to be around other Christians. That's the way I was, because in God's presence, I was reminded of my sinfulness. And this is right where Satan wants to keep us. Right where Satan wants to keep us. He can keep if he can keep us ashamed of our sin in in our yesterdays like Adam and Eve. That way they cover up their they try to cover it up and hide. If Satan can keep us there running, hiding, covering up, living in denial, and death wins. Death wins when we live that way. But Jesus, he wouldn't leave Peter alone. God wouldn't leave Adam and Eve alone, and he won't leave us alone today either. Peter has seen, he's heard, he's been obedient. He loves Jesus, but he makes a mistake. He makes a mistake. And when he does, he does something that you and I are probably apt to do. He returns to his old ways. But but even in his returning to his old ways, his faith is very different now. Still, he has some growing to do. And I say that because of what he does next in the text that, that uh, Miles read just a moment ago. Jesus shows up while Peter and the others are fishing. He shows his sovereignty over Peter's lifestyle, fishing, by pointing to him to the fish, and they haul in a record catch. And just then, Jesus invites Peter to bring some of his catch. But Peter doesn't bring just a few fish. He brings all uh, 153 of the fish to shore and this just shows us that his faith was still immature that he still had some growing to do this week i did a little digging and I, to, to find out why that number 153 was in the bible like like what was in here what was so significant about 153 fish and you know what i found out i found out that 153 fish is exactly the amount of a whole bunch of fish I mean, that's, that's, that's it, really. There's nothing significant about the number. The only thing that makes it significant is, is Peter brought them all. Peter brought them all as though he were trying to, to show Jesus, to give back to Jesus everything, giving him more than what he had asked. He would said, come and bring some of your fish, and Peter brings them all. He had messed up. He'd had time to think about what he had done, probably hoping for another chance. And now when Jesus shows up, he's got that chance, and he's not going to mess up. He's going to bring it all. Have you ever been guilty of trying to win God's approval, trying to earn His favor? I think we all have at some point or another. Maybe this Lent, maybe you like me, you you try to take on some some new spiritual disciplines, right? Whether reading the Bible or or praying or or something else, like studying a, a book or something. I don't know, but but if you're like me, when when we do that and we we do it over and over and over again, if we're not careful, we start feeling like we have to, like 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 when i do that god is happy with me god approves of me trying to earn or deserve god's love will keep you busy it'll keep you stressed it'll keep you in bondage actually because let's let's just think about it what could you possibly do to deserve perfect love i mean i love my wife my wife loves me she loves me i mean not perfectly but pretty close and there is nothing I could do to get her to love me like that. But she does that on her own. So if I can't earn her love, how could I poss- which isn't perfect? How could I possibly earn God's love, which it is? I couldn't. And that's where our enemy steps in to tempt us. See? He he knows that we can't earn God's love, but he can convince us that if we can just be worthy if we can just be worthy of God's grace. That becomes our mission. You see, we start feeling that we have to do this or we have to do that in order to win God's approval, and we fall back into this works-based salvation as though we can actually earn our own salvation. And whenever we we start to feel like 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 I'm actually I am doing enough, whenever I start to feel, whenever you start to feel that way. That should be a reminder to us that we need to go back to the cross, that we have some growing to do. Because God's love isn't something that I can earn. It's, giving, it's given to you. It's given to me. Paul said it this way in Romans 5, 8. He said, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what Easter is all about. You can't earn his love, you can't win his approval. and we see that in the story today. You see, notice what happened when Peter came to have breakfast. Jesus didn't need his fish. He already had the fish on the, on the fire cooking. He wanted Peter he just wanted Peter to take part in what he was doing. He didn't need Peter. But Peter, the one who always goes first, always one who always goes over and above, right? Does it again. Only to realize that Jesus already had enough for him, for all of them. That's grace. That's the love of God that goes before us. right? That God provides before we have a need. And that's what Peter was beginning to realize right here at the fire. At a fire just like the one where he had denied Jesus and that rooster crude. crowed. Right here, around this fire after breakfast is where Jesus drove this point home. In verse 15, where he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now there's some um, disagreement about what that these meant, but I'll get to that in just a second. But Jesus asks basically the same question three times. And each time Peter responds, yes, Lord i love you and then jesus would respond back to him then feed my lambs and feed my my flock then take care of my sheep but in this this first time he asked what is this these that jesus is talking about people disagree uh, there's three different ways you can look at it one it may be that do you love me more than these other disciples love me he could have been asking peter Or he could have been asking Peter, Peter, do you love me more than you love these other disciples? Could have been. Or the third option, which I believe is the one that is most appropriate to the the way the story lays, lays out here, is Peter, do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than these fish that you caught or that I gave you? I think that's what Jesus is asking. Because that's what Peter ran back to right? when he was hurting, when he had messed up, when he made a mistake. He ran back to the thing, not, and not to the one who could actually heal him, but he ran back to the thing that he thought would bring him comfort. To help him forget about his pain of his yesterday. Do you love me more than these fish? These fish that you thought would bring fulfillment to your life that you couldn't even provide for yourself without me, Jesus says. And Peter says, yes. And again and again, Jesus says, do you love me? Three times he asked the man who denied him three times. And three times the man who denied Jesus has to proclaim, I love you, I love you, I love you. It had an impact on Peter. Peter is being restored. Can you feel it? I love you. I love you. I love you. Can you feel it? It's heavy. This is a a sacred moment for Peter. You see, when you think you messed up so bad, when your past is so dark, when your yesterday is so painful, you don't think there's any point. You have such a reputation that God could never use you. Just then, Jesus steps in and says, Come, follow me. Follow me. Henry Blackaby in his famous book, uh, Experiencing God, he, he wrote this, the truth is that God can do anything he pleases through an ordinary person who's fully dedicated to him. Follow me. We see this every day in our churches. People tutoring, people helping distribute food to those who are hungry, people who are financially helping their neighbors people who are feeding families week in and week out a regular group of people all of us with a past but all being used today because we heard him say follow me and we followed jesus says peter don't worry about yesterday heather ed don't don't focus on yesterday follow me today debbie mike Follow me today. Follow me. Don't fall into temptation of running from God when you make a mistake because He loves you. Don't make the mistake of of trying to earn His love because it's freely given. You don't have to earn it. Just receive it and trust that you've gotten it. If that's you, if if you've made mistakes and you want another chance, second, third, fifth, however many chances you need. God wants to offer that to you, and he wants you to respond by loving him. And if that's you, if, if you would like to respond to God's call to follow him today, I want to pray for you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for those who are, who are worshiping with us today, Lord, who are hearing you call them to come and follow them, to, to leave their yesterdays, to leave their pain from the past, to leave their mistakes behind And follow you today. Lord, I thank you that you never give up on us. I thank you that you never quit calling us. Drawing us to yourself. And when you draw us close, Lord, you never stop working to renew our heart. Equipping us to live a new life. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for those who are giving their life to you today, God. I ask you, Lord, that you'd equip them. You'd make them strong for the journey that you'd surround them with a, a supportive group of folk who are going to show them how to live this life, God, who are going to teach them from their own mistakes. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this world, in this community, through these people. We love you, God. Amen. So if you prayed a prayer, or surrender like that, or you know, today, if today is the day that you gave yourself to Jesus, I just want to ask you to click on that button below me here that says yes. I've decided to follow Jesus. Uh, I want to be able to encourage you. So if you could just provide some contact information, I just want to get word out to you a way you can grow in your faith that, to help you uh, get closer to Jesus as you grow. Now that you've made this decision. You've taken this step. I want to help you. Part of that may be in baptism. Maybe like you need to be baptized. I would love to help you with that this spring. Soon. All right? Uh, to, to have you part of the family of God. Follow you, to follow him into baptism. Please reach out to me and let me know that. There are other people who are watching here today who who surrendered their life to him a while back. They've been following. And they're like Peter. They're, they're back on track, right? That's what we feel like. Peter, he, he's been restored. He's been renewed. He's been set back on track. He's going to follow Jesus again. We feel like we can kind of take a deep breath. We can, we can take a, let, a, let out some air, right? But just then, just then, when it seems like everything is going right, Look what Peter does in verse 21, if you have it there in your Bible. Lord, what about him? What about him? After all that Peter has gone through, after all that he's experienced here with Jesus, he's still thinking of others. He's still comparing himself to others. He says, what about John? Do you ever fall into this? As a Christian, as I'm talking to you who are disciples, who are followers of Jesus. Do you ever look at others and compare your faith to theirs? Do you ever, you ever think, boy, I, I, I wish I could pray like them, or I wish I could do what they do? Or why is God, why am I so sick and they're so healthy? Why, why is my business struggling so much when, when other businesses with, of Christian owners, man, they are blessed? Why is mine struggling? This, just, this passage of Peter, when we, we look to compare ourselves to others, we do it too. We, we all do it. This reminds us that no matter how on track we are, we can always make a mistake. We can always get off track. I mean, Peter has just had this experience with Jesus, and immediately he steps off. Immediately. When we mess up, the last thing that Jesus wants you to do is to run and hide. The last thing He wants you to do is compare yourself to someone else. Your mistake to their mistake. The last thing He wants you to do is run and hide. What He wants you to do is follow Him. Follow Him. Even if you have to follow Him with a limp. So, I want to encourage you that if you're a follower of Jesus, then then I want to encourage you, no matter what, no matter what, get close to Him. He loves you, and He invites you to come and be with Him. To leave yesterday behind, to live for right now, today. To love His people, to serve one another, to love one another, just as He wanted us to love. To so don't worry about what was. Don't worry about your yesterdays. Live for what is. And don't even worry about tomorrow, because He promises to take care of that too. Disciples, follow Him. Get close to Him. Let him heal you. Let him make it all new. Live for today. Get out of yesterday. I'd like to pray for you as well. God, I thank you for those who are watching this today who are faithful to you, Lord, who who look to be used by you, Father. I thank you, God, that, that you have changed the lives of so many who are watching this, God, and I know they're thankful as well. Lord, we make mistakes. Even those who love you dearly, we make mistakes. We're not perfect. We're we're moving on to perfection, but we are not there yet. God, when we do, remind us to follow you in spite of our mistakes, that we would stay close to you, because that is where restoration happens. That's where the healing is, is near you. We love you, God. Thank you for changing our life. Thank you for using us for something significant here in our community, here in our world. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you for watching today. I want to close with our benediction as we send each other into the world. Hey, and don't forget that that we are in the world for a purpose and a reason, right? Join me. Life is much more than an accident. Wherever I go, I believe God needs me there. Wherever I am, I trust that God has put me there, that he has a purpose for me being there. Christ, alive in me, wants to do something through me no matter where I am. I believe this, and I go in his grace and his love and his power. Amen. God bless you.